sorry, I'm trying to find the vibe. <sighs> I'm sorry, it was a long fucking day. <laughs> As we see here, in her natural habitat, the Tarantino is trying to get into the vibe of a serial killer. Now we gotta be careful, boys and girls, because if you if you sneak up on her a little too much, she might bite you. <laughs> and I'm not vaccinated. All right. <clears throat> Welcome back to Serial Killers and Chill with Tara and my ever prepared co-host Bambi. Today I'm we not are discussing. At all. <laughs> I'm literally not prepared at all. I didn't do a single bit of research. Oh, I've got Wikipedia in front of me right now. Oh, God. <laughs> it's going to be a winner tonight, folks. A true fucking winner. Uh, today we're discussing a man who took hunting his prey to a whole new level. No, we I actually We are watch. discussing... Oh, you did? I did. Investigative Discovery did a real nice piece on him for about an hour and a half while oh. I played video games, so not much really sank in, but I did do research. <laughs> You see how much he His? fucking cares. I rushed home from work to copy and paste. <laughs> 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 so what we're talking about tonight is the butcher baker, Robert Hansen, born 1939 and died 2014. You know what's really, really stupid is that in the documentary that I watched, they like... Like it, they called him the Butcher Baker like a bunch of times, and I'm like, why in the devil is he named the Butcher Baker? Like, ah. what the what what the fuck is he? Why? Well, why? That's actually that's easy. That that is a very easy thing to answer. Um, it is a very easy thing, but in the documentary, they failed to make note of that until like they were like 45 minutes into the hour and a half documentary. So you're just like, why is he the Butcher Baker? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then like, I hate it's it funny. when they're not it, plotted out well. Well, it was plotted out really well, but like the Butcher Baker. They didn't really kind of they, like it didn't really sink in until about the 45 minute mark when they kind of explained the whole butcher baker thing. So I don't feel like doing I don't feel like giving the audience the answer right away because they can go fuck themselves. They're going to have to deal with what we had to deal with where we just had to sit there and well, learn ourselves because I didn't want to hit fast forward. And I was kind of actually interested in the documentary. Well, that sucks because, you know, I organized my notes appropriately and I have it right <sighs> at the fucking tippity top. I can, can come I back to it him. if you want to hold the suspense. No, no. Tell him why. Tell him how I got. Okay, I want to do the butcher part. You do the baker. But, but oh, fudge it. I, <laughs> Let's do it backwards. <laughs> come on, Tarantino. Why was he called I'm, the butcher baker? I know why he was called the baker. Why was he called the baker? And I mean, the butcher portion of it, I, that's kind of... Uh, that's kind of self-explanatory. We're talking about a fucking serial killer, bro. Well, see, the reason why he got butcher is because he used to take his victims out via plane to a shack that he called the Meat Shack. Yes. And so there's he was the referred to as Baker because he was the son of a Danish immigrant who was a baker, and he ended up following in his father's footsteps. Yeah, they kind of like failed to mention that until like 45 minutes into the documentary. Oh. And I was like, why? why is he called the Butch Baker? Oh my gosh. <laughs> See, not so... to me, that's just poor planning. 
No, well, but like it, so. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, 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 sorry. So, Henson was a uh, an American serial killer. So we're we're back in the U.S. where we're known to have the highest amount. Oddly enough, out of all the countries, we have the highest amount. Ooh, Team USA. Well, technically, <laughs> but- technically, technically, um, he's in Alaska. And last time I checked, that was part of the U.S. Honey Bunny. It it number one, I'm not a bunny, and I ain't no honey. I'm not sick. There's a thing there, but I I forgot it because I'm trying to drink some cotton candy. Uh, no, <laughs> I have my clear American stuff. I I apologize. My I've had two double shot espressos. I'm like losing my mind. No, but like. Back in like the eighties when he was up in Alaska, like it was frontier. Like like it still it technically still is. is frontier. Yeah, it's one of the most unchartered states and it's also seen as some of the most like lethal terrain possible. Or, or you know at, at least yeah. in in the US state, you know, type of what is the word on it? You know, my brain broke, not no, work. I- I don't know, but it, like, isn't there like a line? Isn't there like a line that like that's like a, a like maybe it's a latitude that basically if you live above the latitude, if you don't have like some modern conveniences or something like that, like there's a very high percentage that you will die if you if you live long enough in the winter if you don't um, have some sort well, of you're, skills. You're thinking of like bush people. Um, yeah, these are these are motherfuckers who could survive anything, and they do. A lot of them do not have modern conveniences. Uh, a lot of places like where Hansen would take some of his victims. Only way you can get into them is you know via plane or boat. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of places in Alaska like that too. You have to take a ferry back and forth from what they consider to be the mainland. Yeah, and the reason why he would go out via plane in a lot of these is technically to go hunting because you can technically hunt from the roads and such, but that's mm-hmm. where all the people were, and he wanted to hunt the bigger game, quote unquote. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, so American serial killer uh, between 1971 and 1983, he abducted, raped, and murdered at least at least 17 women in and around the Anchorage, Alaska area. Um, Many of them, yes, he did take out to the middle of literally bumfuck nothing and hunted them down in the wilderness with a Ruger Mini 14 and a knife. Um, Yes. It's believed that he began killing around 1972. Um, He would pick up a prostitute and force her at gunpoint to you know go to his cabin or in some cases get in the plane and then take her to the cabin uh where he would rape torture her and then take her out to a very secluded area let her loose and hunt her as if she were wild game before shooting and stabbing her to death there wasn't the documentary didn't really portray him that in in that much of a light it 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 almost sounded like a lot of the killings that he did according to this documentary were essentially she uh he would he would be overpowered by them and they would run away 
And he would basically just grab his rifle, pick it up, and then as she was running, just plop. And then... Ah, oh, okay. Yeah, because uh, okay. there, was, there was one where she, like, was poking his eyes out. She was, like, really, really fighting him. And he got a pistol away from her and just basically, like, put two in her chest or whatever. So, like, it, it sounds like there was there were some struggles. It wasn't much of, hey, I'm going to hunt you now. It was... They he took him out to the meat shack. They kind of got scared. They would fight him a little bit, and then, I mean, if you saw a picture of the dude, he he doesn't look like he's that strong. He doesn't look intimidating at all. Like so he really the, doesn't. Yeah. Like he looks easily overpowered. So they would they would basically run away from him, and he you know, I mean, this dude was literally an avid hunter, straight up big game avid hunter. He had a plane, took his buddies out to go hunting. So a, a a running target the size of a person, you know, with a mini fourteen isn't that it's horrible to say, but, but it's not that hard to hit. But maybe the struggle was part of the excitement, uh, much like with our first <sighs> serial killer we worked on. It was when the young girl struggled against him that he got excited. So it could well, be that maybe he can overpower him. Or could, I'm sorry, since, you know, past tense, he is dead. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe it was one of those things where the struggle just heightened the excitement of the chase. There was a, he took a couple people out when he first got to Alaska with his plane. And if I remember what the dude said, he, um, one of the guys that he took out was like weirded out. Didn't like, he didn't, he was like, he's weird. Like, you know, we enjoy... <laughs> Uh, he had called him, uh, like, he, he got a very bad vibe from him, but he was like, hey, because uh, he was talking about one of his friends that he knew, you know, he was like, we enjoy the hunt, you know, we enjoy the thrill, like, we enjoy the thrill of the stalking, you know, the, the going out, getting the big game and all this other stuff, but Robert seemed to enjoy the kill more than anything. And that was yeah. that was one of the quotes that that they had thrown out there was that he really seemed to enjoy the killing part, not the hunting or the stalking. But when it came time to pull that trigger, he was way more into it. And the dudes didn't go hunting with him anymore after that. Well, and as as per my uh, my mo, I will I will I will find a connection between the way they were brought up and what their life was like with how they are now. Um, he was a super super shy kid, you know, mm-hmm. scrawny little lank, lanky kind of thing. Um, he had a stutter. He yep. had severe acne that left him physically scarred. I mean, like we're we're talking some acne. Um, like my scarring that I have on the chest, or like because I'm thinking we're talking. We're talking like pock marks, like bad. Um, because of this, girls didn't want anything to do with him. Um, he ended up growing up really hating women. Like he, he developed early on a, uh, a deep, deep-seated hatred for females uh, and even had fantasies about extracting revenge upon them. Um, he also hated through, them in school. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because throughout, of all the bullying he received. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, throughout his childhood, his adolescence, uh, he was described as many serial killers are in their adolescence. He was quiet, uh, didn't have a lot of friends, and had a really difficult relationship with his father because his dad was very domineering, uh, very controlling. Um, 
that was around the time that he took to hunting and archery and this was this was like his his safe place that was his sanctuary mm-hmm. you know much like i i call my four walls my sanctuary this is my sane place this is where drama's not allowed and all that jazz so for him going out to the middle of nowhere and hunting down an animal was not only like acting out his fantasies it was also his escape um I I can I can kind of I can kind of understand you know growing up like that having that kind of deep seated hatred, but to hold on to it, that I don't know that just seems very obsessive to to cling to stuff from high school. I mean we all remember our bullies, but I I can't say that I ever wanted to extract that type of revenge on any of them. I don't. I don't think it was more or less. Uh, uh, it may because some people have. Uh, I know I've talked to you at length about a individual in my life that has been able to hold on to revenge for the hold on to certain aspects um, for a like. Uh, I think it's going on now like fifteen years. You know oh. that she's been able to hold on to you know small minor minor technical minor things that that have happened and it's really really interesting to see somebody hold on to these grudges and just absolutely still dis have a disdain or a dislike for me for things that happened years ago you know and i mean like i i held a grudge against somebody for nearly 30 years Nearly 30 years of my life. Now, granted, yes, we reconciled shortly before he passed. But I held that nasty, nasty grudge for nearly 30 years. And I got to say, I I really felt a lot better when we were able to sit down, hash the shit out, and let it go. I mean, yeah. it, it it's not that whole, like, forgive and forget. But it was one of those, okay, I'm not going to forget, but you... You know, even though you don't really deserve forgiveness, I'll give it to you. It was kind of a, a sympathy thing. And But still, you know, there are people out there who have, I don't know if it's genetic or if it's just their, you know, personality to where they find something that they just utterly, like, I mean, there are things out there that utterly irritate me to <laughs> no end, but... In, in five minutes, you know, it's just like, whatever, you know, like, cool, I can't control that person, I can't. I can't stop this. There's absolutely nothing that I can do to change this person's mind or to change the event. What happened the happened. The power of uh, accepting. Just mo- yeah, moving on. But yeah. uh, one of the, one of the kind of things that you were talking about with the you know holding the the hate and the grudge, they had portions of his interview with some of the detectives where he was talking about you know because uh, he he was asked of course by the police like why he picked up prostitutes. And one of his excuses was, you know, I wanted oral sex. And they're like, well, why is that any different? You're a married man. And he's like, oh, I'd never subject my wife to do that. So that was one really? of his. Really? Yep. That was one of his excuses as to why he was picking up prostitutes as a married individual. The interesting thing about that to me is, <laughs> well, the interesting thing to me is, was it, was it a lie? Most likely. But oh, yeah. it was an interesting lie 
because it, it yeah. was it was a well thought out lie. Like my wife it's is unique. It, it's a very unique <laughs> lie because he's basically, you know, with his hatred towards women and his hatred towards school and the bullying, he would he thought so highly of his wife compared to all those women that he hated that he didn't want to sully her with that disgusting and vile act that he really liked. So he would go, you know, degrade somebody who would do it for money and one of the interesting things is as how he chose women is if they liked him for him or if they were willing to subject themselves to him he wouldn't kill them but if they were doing it solely for the money they were as good as dead got it got it so if you're if you're uh, reaping any benefits from it okay well, it was again, uh, how many how many others have we talked about that when it finally came down to it and they were caught, they really talked up their spouse. Some of them did anything they could to ensure that the spouse was attended to financially from there on out. I mean, how many of them did that? I, wasn't Chikatilo one of those? Uh, I'm, yeah, I, I think Chikatilo was one of them, but he. In the documentary and a couple of the things that I read about, he really didn't care much for his wife. Like, mm. she was more or less, from what I got from it, is that it was a show, a facade, you know? The, because, it's all about I mean, the you perception. know. Yeah, he was, he, uh, he was part of a church that he rarely ever went to, but his wife was huge into the church. You know, she had the ability to teach dyslexic, teach dyslexic, dyslexic children, like nobody's business. You know, this woman was able to, you know, teach him like nobody could. They dumped all the special education on him. You know, he was a good, likable person. I mean, hell, the pastor was like, yeah, he's a good, he's a good bro. But then he, he's got that small, dark seated life. And, he even admitted to in in one of the interviews he was like oh you know things were going pretty easy and i was able to do a whole heck of a lot of things you know i was kind of getting away with a lot of it i uh, i i was always like when can i do this next and i was like ooh he's it's you know, an obsessive like, thing yeah you know he he gets that thrill and it was like a btk except a little bit less you know there was that there was that timing in between where okay, he's really starting to get like, he, you know, like the first one is that huge rush. Let's live off of it forever. And then, you know, yeah. it, it just the rush becomes less and less and less, just like, you know, any drug addict where you, you start off with heroin and, you know, your first, your first introduction to the drug is a high for like three hours or whatever. And then by the time, you know, you've been into it for a couple of months, the hit is just, <sighs> all right, I feel much mm. better. And you're like, Bro, your la- your high lasts for thirty seconds, and it's like that's all I get. Now, see, uh, not only was he a rapist and a serial killer, he was also a firebug. Um, in December of nineteen sixty, he was arrested for burning down a Pocahontas County Board of Education school bus garage. Damn, that's a fucking mouthful. Pocahontas um, was the name of a town. It was- for those of you that don't know. <laughs> it was revenge for his unpopularity in high school. He served 20 months of a three-year prison sentence in the Anamosa State Penitentiary. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, they, um, they had briefly mentioned kind of like some of his other, some of the other things that he did, you know, assaults, He had a lot of them. Yeah, he actually, he has, he has a pretty lengthy rap sheet. And if you look at it from start to finish, you can actually see, you can actually see it progressing, like getting yeah. more aggressive and uh, the, the, the times getting closer and closer to each other. Uh, unfortunately, with a lot of his victims, they can't really pinpoint a, a death date. They they can't even pinpoint some who some of these poor girls are. No, it will a lot of a lot of what it was was uh, there was like a uh, oh I forget what her name was. Um, There's a detective in the Anchorage Police Department who was like one of the first females as part of the team she recognized him really really early on like i think within like four three or four of the killings she had put it together that there's a serial killer but nobody was like nobody was like meh nobody wanted to listen they didn't want to listen and it was it was kind of funny because she had said on multiple occasions on, on, on multiple occasions but she's like i'd gone to my chief of police you know about a bunch of things earlier on you know that i thought so heavily about but for the, some reason on this one i didn't take it higher and higher but it was really weird because a lot of the times the police in in, in a, for those of you that don't really know alaska is it still kind of is a frontier and I know we had touched on this just briefly earlier, but it's kind of a lot like Nevada. Prostitution is not legal, but they kind of turn a blind eye to it because of the type of, you know, look at a lot of the jobs in Alaska. They're very yeah. seasonal, uh, you know, like the the crab fishing show. These guys are out on a boat for how, you know, for like five, six months. You know, they come into port, you know, once or, you know, once or twice every two months. They A lot of them don't have families. They get flush with cash. They go get a hotel, get the company of a woman for a night or two, and then they go right back out to sea. So it's a like lot a of group time, of guys coming back from deployment. Oh, you shut your mouth on that. I will not be roped into that. But it's I, true. I, it's I will true. Say this very, very. A bunch of guys very, coming back from deployment and certain career fields, you're home for only a little bit and then you're gone for a shitload. What's the first fucking thing you do before you start your training? You get white girl wasted and harass the waitresses at Denny's. We, I was never white girl wasted. I was always a sober. Individual. No, you were, you were, you, I'll give you that. You were always sober when you came in. I will give you that. I, uh, Bambi, Bambi's not straight laced, but I don't drink. I don't smoke. I can't do none of that stuff. I get, I get, I get ridiculous, <laughs> but yeah, I was the. I was the one tipping Tara fifties and and stuff like that because all of my buddies were f- oh my god they were dumbasses. They gave me the worst fucking time. Oh my god, they were so. And you guys didn't come in in small groups. No, you came in fucking hordes. Well, it was it was like right after each of our shifts, you know, like we would get done with like lunch or something like that. We would have, you know, everybody found out. Oh, we're all about to deploy. You know, everyone would kind of get ready for, you know, the deployment. We'd tell all our, you know, at, you know, I was obviously single for the vast majority of it. Well, not single, but five deployments, five different times, came home, uh, left with a girlfriend, came home single. That was that was usually how it went for a lot of us. But yeah, we would find out we're deploying. We would go have a big uh, pre-deployment dinner or something like that. Or it's just like, hey, 
who wants to go to Denny's after work? And, you know, uh, you know, a couple of people knew, knew Tara and, you know, they were always like, hey, let's go make so-and-so's day. And, you know, of course, they'd all get r- r- rowdy and rambunctious. So I'd be like, I'm sorry. Let's go make Here. her day. Let's go get trashed and harass her and be dicks. Oh, that my God. Why that I was tipped really well. <laughs> you guys are fucking pricks. Yeah. So um, while he was incarcerated... Um, of course they do psychiatric testing. Um, the psychiatrist diagnosed him with bipolar disorder, which at that time was called manic depression. And as time has gone on, we know there's a difference. There really Mm -hmm. is a huge difference between bipolar and uh, mania. Um, they were saying that he had periodic, uh, schizophrenic episodes, um, the psychiatrist who actually had made the diagnosis referred to him as having an infantile personality um, and completely obsessed with getting back at anybody he felt had wronged him. Uh, during this time this. is when... No? no? During this it, time is when his first wife divorced him. Uh, while he was incarcerated, she filed for divorce. Yeah, no, they didn't. They didn't cover any of this in in the documentary. They basically were like, "Yeah, he just hated people. <laughs> he just hated women and hunted prostitutes in the well, wilderness." Even even after he got out for you know serving that little bit of time, uh, he he still ended up being jailed several times afterwards for you know basic petty theft. Um, met his second wife, moved to Anchorage to start um, fresh. Yeah, they ended up having two children together, you know, perfect, cute little family. He mm. was well-liked by his neighbor, by his neighbors. Um, he set several local hunting records. I mean, the, the community had nothing to say about him that was negative. I mean, outside of, he's a little weird. Which, you know, is every, you know, every serial killer's story. He's, you know, exactly. We all thought he was a little weird, but other than that, he's a great dude. Well, in uh, in 1971, he was arrested twice. Once for the abduction and attempted rape of a housewife, and again for raping a prostitute. He pled no contest to the assault with a deadly weapon in the offense involving the housewife. The rape charge involving the prostitute was dropped as part of a plea bargain. Um, he had been sentenced to five years after serving six months of his sentence. He was placed, he was placed on a, uh, work release program and handed over <laughs> to a halfway house. There's a, there's a radio station, a uh, local radio station that has a work release program, uh, oh where they, God. they, they play some of the better music. Because this, that's the time where all the people are getting off of work and then going back to jail to oh, be jailed for wow. night. So they play a lot of the better they play a lot of the better music during That's hilarious. Like, Welcome to X Rock's work release program. The best metal in town. <laughs> you know, I was always that's like <laughs> fucking funny. I very catchy. Very nice. So, so something that people may not know. <laughs> Is that uh, Bambi has has met some very interesting individuals who have been to jail and to prison and and all that stuff like that. So I learned about all these fun and interesting things about jail, like where you go, like when you're on part of the work release program, or where you go when you're not. 
And I always thought it was the most hilarious thing because I had heard the work release program. And I was like, I always wondered, I was like, why is it the work release program? And then one of my buddies is like, man, I'm in the work release program. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, I'm on the work <laughs> release program. I was like, what, the, dude, what do you, did you get arrested like a month ago? And then he explained everything to me. And I remember it was like just a couple of weeks ago where I was sitting in at work, you know, using the forklift, getting that cheese and uh, the work release program on X Rock. And I was like, oh. Oh. I now, it now. <laughs> now it makes sense. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in, uh, in the late 70s, well, I guess you can consider it late 70s, uh, 76, I guess that's mid 70s. Uh, he pled guilty to larceny after he was caught stealing a chainsaw from Fred Meyer. Uh, Fred Meyer, for anybody who doesn't know what it is, oh my God. <laughs> it's, was it like the Walmart? It's kind of like a Walmart. Yeah, only okay. their deli is really good. Um, oh, okay. It's a department store. He was sentenced to five years in prison and required to receive psychiatric treatment for the bipolar disorder. Larceny for stealing a chainsaw from a department store. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to steal something, go big, go home. Uh, yeah. Well, the Alaskan Supreme Court reduced his sentence and he was released with time served. Um, flipping crazy is that? You know, like the in out, in out, in out, in out, and we see it a lot. It 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 repeats a lot through well, no, most of our research. I see it. Well, no, like the Supreme Court is like, yeah, he's just stupid. Release him. It, well, I'm sure they looked at it the same way I did when I read that. I was like, chainsaw. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> at what point did you think you were going to get out of the store with that? <laughs> You can't put that down your pants like a carton of cigarettes. <laughs> yeah. That's so ridiculous. Um, he doesn't show up again on the radar until 1983. Um, he offered a 17-year-old sex worker, Miss Cindy Paulson, 200 to perform oral sex. When she got in the car, he pulled a gun on her and drove her to his home in Muldoon. Um there, he kept her captive, proceeded to torture and rape her. Um, later, she had told the police that he had kept her chained by the neck to a post in the house, in like in the house's basement, mm -hmm. while he took a nap on a couch nearby. Um, Dude, that's some confidence. Uh, after he woke up from his his little beauty sleep. Uh, he put her back into the vehicle and took her to Merrillfield Airport, where he told her that he intended to, and I quote, take her out to his cabin, the shack that you were talking about um, mm -hmm. down in the valley, and it's accessible only by boat or bush plane. Yep. Um, Polson, the young lady, crouched in the back seat of the car with her wrist cuffed in front of her. When she saw the chance to escape... Uh, she, she booked it. He, uh, he was busy loading the airplane's cockpit while his back was turned. She crawled out of the back of the seat, opened the driver's side door and hauled ass. Um, she later told the police that she had left her blue sneakers on the passenger side floor of the sedan's back seat as evidence that she had been in the car. That's one fucking smart cookie right there. Mm-hmm. 
That was like what Unf- we were talking about yesterday. That we were talking about that in one of the previous ones, where if you're going to have a moment where something crazy happens, it, it's just like in the movie Taken. Remember the details, not the not the big generalized, you know, banana sandwich stuff. But yeah, there's going to be. Oh, on his left cheek, he's got a star tattoo. How many people have a star tattoo on their left cheek? You know, something Touché. weird or crazy like that. So. Yeah, um, she did make it to a hotel. Um, By the... luck of a motorist who noticed that she... Yep. Because in the documentary, she was apparently nude. Like, basically yes. nude while running down the street. And um, this driver was like, that's not right. And then it was really kind of weird yeah. because, like, all of a sudden she was in a hotel. And then the police. And then, like, nothing really came of it. Like, it was weird. Well, and yeah, and that's the worst part. So, like, they call the police, and the police show up. Um, <laughs> they they find her handcuffed. They find her sitting mm-hmm. in the room by herself. Uh, they take her to the headquarters. She describes the perpetrator. Um, when Hansen was questioned, he denied the accusations. Duh. Um, stating that Polson, the young lady was just trying to cause trouble for him because he would not pay pay her extortion demands. And this is where a lot of it came into, where I was talking about earlier. The Anchorage Police Department, like I said, kind of turned that blind, blind eye to prostitution. And a lot of the times with things that, that happened with this, this, I guess, was apparently a very common thing where ladies would be like, 50 for this. And the dudes would be like, dope. And then they would finish. And the lady's like, all right, 150, you know, or like an extra, yeah. you know, on top of it. And it's like, no, 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 you agreed to this. And they are trying to extort. So then, you know, it just, that was just what they well, thought. Due to Hanson, you know, being a humble baker and, you know, his <laughs> very, his very meek demeanor, um, along with a false alibi from his friend John Henning, they, it, it kind of kept him from being considered a serious suspect, and the case went cold. Yeah, the, that was one thing that actually really upset some of the detectives. It actually upset one of the detectives very seriously, was that you know they were looking at this real seriously because a couple of people had noticed patterns in him. And they started mm-hmm. to realize this man may actually be, um, you know, somebody pretty seriously. And the, the detective was like, all right, we're going to do some work. And they they really, uh, there wasn't a lot of interagency cooperation like there is nowadays. And so each agency kind of did their own thing. But like some people really doubled shit down and, and made it happen. Like there was a. Uh, a detective actually handed off a lot of the documentation that they had come up with on their own to a different agency to take care of it so that way things could get done. And he yeah. was he basically was quoted as, if anybody found out I had done this, I would have been in severe trouble. Yeah. Um... Like, how crazy is that? Like, just helping solving a case and handing off to the, the proper authorities would get you in trouble... This is how disconnected America, uh, the, the American criminal justice system was way back before, I think, like, what, was it like the 90s or whatever, when, like, interagency cooperation really kicked off? 
yeah, like yeah, it's it's so. it's freaking crazy. Like just all of a sudden, you know, they're like, yeah, we should probably get together and like totally start working together. But like before this, it's like, don't you tell those stupid a holes down at the FBI about this crap? And you're like, bro, they're the FBI. <laughs> it reminds me of the South Park episode where the kids were playing cops, and then all of a sudden, another group of kids come in who are playing FBI. <laughs> <laughs> It's our crime scene now. Aw. <laughs> Aw. <laughs> you bastards. What was it? Uh, the snook <laughs> in, in Mrs. Clinton's sniz? Oh, my God. You remember oh that? Where, where uh, like, every I agency remember. is coming over, and they're like, this is our investigation now. And Kyle's just like, no, this is my investigation. And the guy's like, aw. <laughs> so member tough. berries. Member berries. Oh, my God. <laughs> member. member win. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, uh, oh, so the uh, the FBI had been um, brought in on this. Like they were contacted mm-hmm. by uh, Detective Glenn, and I'm know I'm probably butch- butchering this last name. Uh, Floth, Floth. I uh, I know I'm butchering it. I'm so horrible well, was, at it. So I'm, please take no offense. F L O T H E. I was not paying attention during the. I, it's I probably no heard big it a few whoop. Times. So yeah. he uh, he got a hold of the FBI and spoke with a special agent, John Douglas, and requested help with a criminal psychological profile based on three bodies that have been recovered. Um, one of which it's never been identified. It and I I am not even going to try and pronounce this. It, I'm not even going to try. E-K-L-U-T-N-A Annie. So we're just going to call her Annie because they based it off of where they found her. Yeah, what you said. I think (laughs) is, I I love Alaska and their pronunciations of things. Well, that's that's like Washington State. Uh, They got a town that's called Snoqualmie. But when you look at it, it does not look like it would be pronounced Snoqualmie or Tequila. yeah. <laughs> Remember Wausau, But they had found Wisconsin? Yes. Oh. How did I how did I pronounce that the first time? <laughs> I think it was like what uh I even called our local uh I actually called not four one one, but I, I uh the local like car help place and the dude was like, Yeah, you're gonna have someone coming from Wyusa. I was like Wausau. Yeah, Wausau, Toma, Menominee Falls. What was it? Uh, oh there's another good one. I fr- I so whatever they had found three bodies mm-hmm. one unidentified another one uh was the body of a joanna messina uh she was discovered in a gravel pit near uh near seward which is like around in the anchorage area mm-hmm. um then a 23 year old sherry moreau uh, was discovered in a shallow grave near the Knick River. Is that how you say it, Knick? Or I don't know. <laughs> so now <laughs> you've got three bodies, and the detective definitely is seeing the pattern, saying all three of them have to be the same killer. So he looked for help with the FBI. Um, The special agent, John Douglas, with the FBI, thought the killer would be an experienced hunter with low self-esteem, have a history of being rejected by women, and would feel compelled to keep souvenirs of his murders, such as jewelry, 
Mm-hmm. We've come across that a lot. Yeah. Um, he also suggested that the assailant might stutter, which, yes, Hansen had a problem with a stutter. I um, want to know how they came up with that. How they came up with the fact that he might stutter based off you of know, the killings. I am so... I am so curious about some of that stuff myself. Like, how do you know that he would, that he would stutter? How would you know that he looks this certain way or lives this certain way? I mean, I think a lot of it is uh, after a while you start to see patterns. So you can immediately, you can immediately deduce these are the things we're going to see because we've seen them before. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's gotta be something that pops up frequently. But, but I, I, I mean, mean you've, you you mm. know that when when I'm in certain situations, I will stutter, and I will stutter bad. But the thing is, with with uh, with our with our buddy here, he the way he would kill people, you know, it, it's not very unique, or it's not very, you know, uh, like with BTK, he had knots. With Chikatilo, he had. A certain mo that he would perform you know with ridgeway and, and you know like there, there's all these little intricacies that you see with each individual killer and then you know with our buddy <clears throat> that i was gonna sneeze with our buddy <laughs> mr hansen you know the dude literally you know pops him like once or twice you know like a kill shot or you know there's a little bit of a struggle so there might be some bruising but like it is it's not the way that he kills somebody is very reminiscent of just your average normal everyday hey you know murder you know he one shot one kill you know there's a little bit of a fight over you know some some debt or whatever and then somebody got the pistol and shot somebody twice you know there's well, not I mean, there's not much that- anything crazy Except that he is purposefully hunting down prostitutes, which, again, that seems to really, really play into the serial killer profile. But the 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 whole prostitution he, uh, thing, it, it it's be, he, it's because they're easy targets, you know. Well, that and a, a major thing that keeps coming up is a distaste for you know females Mm -hmm. and that that right there is what makes a prostitute an easy target well actually uh speaking of the easy targets um one of the reasons uh it was so hard back then was because apparently there was a mafia or there were gangs that would find women in bigger cities say, hey, you can make a lot of money stripping out in Anchorage or Seattle or something like that. And then they take them up there. And then these women would be up there for like a minute or two, make a bunch of money. But with the way the mafia ran things without getting too into it, it was basically they would become indebted for life to these mafias. And so they would make a a shit ton of money in a a couple of days and then they just disappear somewhere, you know, and then they have to restart their life. So women you know, women would go missing all the time from, you know, strippers yeah. or go-go dancing or do or this stuff because of this ring that they had, which apparently I had no idea about. And then, you know, you had the Air Force up there and it's just all this crazy nonsense. 
So it wasn't unusual, you know, like he really, really picked his targets really, really well. And I, I mean, that's that's why serial killers, I would say, go after women in, in these in these professions, because it's so simple and so easy. You know, I'm going to find me this one girl who walks the streets who's gone for days at a time. You know, this is normal for somebody. You know, you don't want to be like, oh, you know, I Tara's not answered my texts in a day or Tara's not, you know, been into work in a day or two. Somebody's going to notice that almost immediately. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, whereas, I mean, definitely because I'm always on time and I I text you pretty frequently. Yeah. Whereas, you know, you you take and I mean, you know, that's that's just uh, a random person. But like, you know, everyone has that daily life cycle that they go through. You know, but you find somebody who is a streetwalker or somebody who, you know, is an escort or a go to go dancer. They may be gone for a day or two at a time and may not answer you just simply because of what they do. And so when they go missing for a day or two, nobody really has that, you know, that worry. They're like, oh, she must have found a John or she must have done this or that. And then the next thing you know, you've got a week or so head start on everybody to where you can do whatever you want. So, I mean, it's. It it, it 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 does kind of work into it, but it's just like, oh, he prostitutes, okay, he hates women. That small little niche thing that they have in there is just, okay, cool, you've got that little bit. But where do they extrapolate this data? Like, he's going to be a ginger. He, you know, he's going to, you know, I mean, every serial killer keeps souvenirs. So that's kind of almost like a guaranteed now, too. But it's like, how the fuck do you know he's going to stutter? How do you know he's going to have this or that or the third? So it's just, it's insane how you can extrapolate the smallest bits of data out of, I mean, again, we don't have the whole story, but it just, it baffles my mind. It's like, how the fuck do you know he's going to stutter? And, you know, well, they also had in the profile that this person would own a plane. So using this profile the detective investigated possible suspects until he reached hansen who not only fit the profile but owned a fucking plane too so he was also like number 12 on the list so he wasn't he was on the uh, list but he wasn't that high yeah well this supported by polson's testimony the young lady who got out of the vehicle um and you know the the profile from from uh the profiler douglas um, the detective and the APD secured a warrant to search Hansen's plane, vehicles, and home. Um, in October of 1983, investigators uncovered jewelry belonging to some of the missing women, as well as an array of firearms in a corner hideaway of Hansen's attic. Also found was an aeronautical chart with little X marks all over it, hidden behind his headboard. Before you go next into what happens, some the the it was interesting because they they did were doing the interview with Hanson because what they did was they were like all right we got to get away to search the house so they asked Hanson to come interview and Hanson was like yeah sure I'll come interview you know cocky as most serial killers are has a whole bunch of a conversation they're searching and searching and searching they can't find Italy squat they can't find anything they're not they're not finding any information. Well, one of the detectives goes upstairs, finds the two two three rifle, finds this, finds that, and what ends up happening is in the middle of the interview, Hansen says that he wants a lawyer. You know, he's like, I think 
I need to talk to a lawyer. And it is so, the, the detectives were so professional. They're like, it is 1.53 p.m. It was the end of the interview. All right, have a great rest of your day. And they turn off the recording. And then they jump forward. And Hanson is denied, 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 denied. Oh, yeah. Detective, he denied the, it as long as he could. Well, here's the fun part. Can I tell the story of how it turns? All right. Can I tell the story of how it turns? All right. Thank you. I love this part. I love this. Thank you. So literally, they're, they're chatting, chatting, chatting. He's denied, denied, denied. So the detectives pull out the map. They show the map to him. And they're like, look, you hook us up. We'll hook you up. We'll only charge you for the murders that we technically know about. Ba, 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 ba. We want all the information. We know these X's mean something. Takes he he mm. takes about thirty seconds. Like if you watch the documentary, he takes about thirty seconds. Is like those X's mean something. They're like, oh yeah, we know they do. And then he just starts talking. So he basically denied, 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 denied. And then they go, look, we either do it with or without lube. You choose how it gets done. <laughs> and he knew he was cornered. The detective, the detectives even said. There was a change in his demeanor. Like, as soon as he. uh, Yeah, as soon as they brought it. It wasn't until after ballistic tests returned and there was a match between the bullets found at the crime scenes and so on and so on that he asked for the plea bargain. Yeah, but it it was. They did know as soon as they found the rifles that the rifles were 223 caliber or 5.56 in in real Mm -hmm. people speak. That they were very similar to the ones that were used, but still, it was just insane how the detectives were like, we saw an immediate change, an immediate change in his demeanor Mm -hmm. on, it was, they have nothing on me, and then they go, we have everything we need, you either help us or you don't, and uh, yeah, he was sentenced to 461 years without the possibility of parole. Well, like part of uh, part of what I came across was talking about that uh, during the um, interrogation, I guess you could call it, um, he actually started to blame the women to justify his acts, you know, his actions. Um, He admitted to a spree of attacks against Alaskan women starting in 1971, Hanson's earliest victims were girls usually between 16 and 19 and they weren't sex workers unlike the victims that were discovered um what was it uh another condition of the plea bargain was his partation in deciphering the markings of his aviation map and locating the victims bodies he can he uh (laughs) <laughs> he con- confirmed the police theory of how the women were abducted, adding that he would sometimes let a potential victim go if she convinced him that she would not report him, as you had mentioned before. Um, he he claims his killings began in the early 70s. So there are still, there, there's still the possibility of more out there. Um, he showed the investigators 17 grave sites in and around the South Central Alaskan area, 12 of which were unknown to the investigators. Um, there were marks on his map that he completely refused to give up. Like, 
what was it, uh, three in Resurrection Bay near Seward, um, they think that some of these marks belong to a Mary Thill and a Megan Emmerich, whom Hansen completely, completely denies killing. Um, the remains of 12, a probable 21 altogether, victims were exhumed by the police and they had been returned to their families for proper burial. Yeah. Um, there, there are quite a few where they haven't been technically found or there's very little information like when they went missing or, you know, their ages or what have you. Yeah. You know, just simply, and, and I mean, it's, it's, it's because of the nature of Alaska. I mean, there are literally pe- people who drift in and drift out constantly. Um, yes. But yeah, with, uh, with the whole, with, with the whole thing, he, you know, would be like, oh, well, she was in it for just the money. So I had to kill her. It's like, you didn't have to kill her. Like she's doing her job. You know, yeah. I'd like, <laughs> it's, like it's, uh, it's not the most ideal of jobs, but unfortunately, and it's not just women. It just seems to be predominantly women. Um, unfortunately, sometimes that's really, that's really the only thing you can do. You yeah. are, you're backed against a wall if you're doing something like that. And, and I mean, there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with with being in the sex work industry. There there's I, I'm not gonna you know blame anybody because I'm not gonna lie. Like if Bambi was a cute enough girl, oh trust me, this HD 1080p webcam that I have, uh, you know, I would straight up be in my bedroom making some fucking dope ass money if I was looking as hot as some of these people were. You know, like it's it, it's a profession that you can do, you can make a lot off a very little very little work uh, except in today's day and age that it is it's it's almost not even it's you know it's you turn the corner of the street for the five you know for the five housewives on a street have a only fans accounts or what have you but yeah i mean so sometimes this is the only the best way that you could make money and there's absolutely nothing wrong with it but it's you are in a very vulnerable position and sometimes that vulnerable position gets you uh, fucked. Fucked. Yeah. Gets you, <laughs> gets you fucked in, in many different ways. God, that is horrible. I, yeah, we're going to hell. I'll save you a seat. <laughs> I, I just, uh. I, I, I find that, I find that him blaming people or blaming the victims you know, like, oh, she was in it for this. It's like, <laughs> I just, uh, you know what? No, we're going to, we're going to save that comment. Bambi is going to save that comment. <laughs> well, uh, Hanson and his, uh, his spree actually made its way into pop culture. Oh, really? Um, yes. In 2013, The Frozen Ground, a movie starring John Cusack, playing alongside Nicolas Cage, was, uh, was put out um, in 2007. Uh, Naked Fear, uh, starring Daniel or Danielle <laughs> DeLuca, yeah, loosely I'm, I'm based sorry. on the characters. But um, yeah, even that made it into Hollywood. It was directed by Scott Walker. I'm not entirely 100% sure who is Scott Walker. Oh, they don't really have anything on him. Whatever. Uh, it was produced by 50 Cent. Frozen Ground was produced by 50 Cent. 
<laughs> I was no working wonder. at it. It's funny you say fitty. I was working at a gas station once, and a guy came in to write a check for his fuel. He actually wrote fitty, fitty dollar. And I looked at that, and I told him, I said, I can't accept this. And he goes, and why not? I was like, because you wrote fitty. It's 50. I think you misspelled 50. He goes, that's why I said. I said fitty. It's like, wow, our public school system has failed us. You know, speak any way you want to speak, but for the love of God, know how to spell the word 50. <laughs> yeah, like it, like I just, oh man, I like I have, I have nothing wrong if you want to, if you want to speak your own special language, you know, um, some might refer to it as, some might know a, a language as ebonics, you know, I, I don't know how PC that is, but, uh, y- you know, like the, the, the new kids, you know, like, or the young kids, you'll fam home, but and you're like. I recognize the word fam in that sentence, but I don't know what the rest of it means. Like, yeah, if I have to decipher what you were trying to say, bro, you need to change your life. It's like, oh, God, bro, bro. I mean, like, it's nobody, nobody prepared me. Nobody prepared me for the transition from mommy to mom to bra. My daughter actually looked at me one day and called me bra and it hit me i was like now i know why my mother hated the word dude <laughs> it but it is and i i i listen to the way she speaks with her friends and i can hear it it's it every it's social language. structure has their own though yeah every, every social different social sphere has their own little way of twisting it and tweaking it like I, I just recently found out what a Visco girl was. What is a Visco girl? A, something about scrunchies. Oh. <laughs> well, I, and I'm I, just I, sitting there and I'm like, oh my God, that was totally us in junior high. Oh my God, is this an insult? <laughs> <laughs> there were kids who dressed up this year. Uh, my friends share pictures of what their kids wore for Halloween and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my little darling Win is a sugar skull. She's so pretty. Um, one of my friends posted up that her her daughter went as a Visco girl, and I'm like, oh wow! So wow. basically, fashion... it's a girl from the it's a girl from the early '90s. So the fashion of the '90s became a Halloween costume. The fashion of the '90s became a Halloween costume. Yes, it did. God, we it's were so right bad. up there with hippie. <laughs> my brother, my brother. Uh, Cherry D, because I have no problem using his nickname instead. Nobody's going to know him. But my, my brother's nickname is Cherry D for Cherry Douche, which is, I don't know how in the hell he got that nickname. I don't think we want to know. I don't want to. I don't know how he, I, I'm very interested. But I I saw a picture of him today. Remember how I told you how hippie he is? Yeah, like, you said he's he, uh, he's real tree-hugging, granola-eating oh. hippie. He asked, we went to a local bar. This is how tree-hugging hippie he was. We went to a local bar in my town here. He asked if the waitress knew where the spicy black bean burger was locally, was it locally sourced or not? Yeah. So that was really interesting. He's like, where was it sourced from? I'm like, bro, you're stupid. So any who's and what's it's, I saw him today with zero feet on. Uh, with no socks, no shoes, 
pants rolled up and wearing a t-shirt, a hemp hemp necklace, and his hair just as disheveled as all ever, looking stoned out of his mind. <laughs> he lives out in Colorado, so I'm like, wow. Um, I really hope that you know somebody dresses up as you for Halloween, or somebody dressed up as you for Halloween. <laughs> oh man! But he did actually die. That's great. Yeah. Uh, getting back to what we were talking about. Yeah. He he, he uh, did die. He did in die while incarcerated at the age of seventy-five. Natural causes, I believe, is what they said, brought on by just an entourage of of health issues he had been having. Well, when you live in a basically a concrete environment, you know, with with you know, as as he was, it's very you're going to have some issues. So, oh man, and and we've talked about that before. How it's just not fair that these people get to go quietly and comfortably after every horrific thing that they did. Like, I, I don't know that it, that just I I want my poetic justice. Yeah. I mean, it's that simple. I want my poetic justice. I want to know I want to know that their last minutes on this planet were just as terrifying as their victims. Well, like with some of the games that uh I'm sorry, not some of the games, but some of the some of the deaths, I I really wish that like cuz I know with lethal injection, I know that you're super anxious, of course, cuz you're strapped to a chair and you're stone sober for it. But they, they inject you with a, a calming sedative. Like, one of the three drugs that they give you, the very first one is a sedative. No. You go through that straight up, sober as can be, and I want you to feel that shit enter your veins and know that the moment is near. I don't want you to have some artificial calming sedative no. to where you're like, oh. Well, it was like And I want to slap... I want to slap every person out there, and I, I really don't care who hears this. I want to slap every person out there who says, that is so inhumane. Are you kidding me? This is a person who brutally tortured, beat, and raped women. Yeah. When- and you're worried about the humanity of us taking his life? Oh, bite the big ball. Oh. Well, it was, uh, you see that all the time, you see that all the time where Bat, you know, it's a picture of Batman. It's like, you know, if you kill a killer, there's still the same number of killers. And then you'll see like a Jason Todd or Punisher. And like, yeah, but if you kill many, many killers, it goes down continuously. I mean, it's, you're still just a killer. So all, all I know, all I care about is that, you know, their last moments should be utterly, um, have you seen the Punisher? Yeah. No, not the Punisher. Uh, Judge Dredd, the movie Judge yeah. Dredd, where he yeah. hits her with slow mo <laughs> right before she falls, right before he pushes oh, her off. So instead yes. of a ten second fall, it feels like an eternity of a fall when she falls down to die. So oh. yeah, so and all of a sudden, I I'm reminded of the penance stare. Yeah, the pen and stare. <laughs> I mean, and I got to say, that's actually pretty cool uh, to have to have all the crap you've done played out instantly before you. You have to feel all that pain, all that torture that you inflicted, and then you die. That's dope. Just be like, everything that, was that you ever made. the best thing about people, Ghost Rider. Yeah, everything that you ever made anybody suffer on, deal with it, deal with it, 
you dead son. And it's like just the impending yeah. doom of it all. That's fucking insane. It's it's so intense it burns the eyeballs from their head. <sighs> if only we, we lived so... in a comic book world. A lot of us I know, right? Make it. Oh my I'd god, def- right? I'd, It'd I'd be the purge to- every day. <laughs> I'd move to rural. I'd definitely move out by you. Fuck living in the city. <laughs> Cities are destroyed every other day. You know, super villains always attacking. Nah, I don't. I think I'll live out in Farmville. <laughs> Get a couple of mega mines running around out there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So as we bring this to a close, because the battery on my phone is slowly eking down. Oh, crikey. This. <laughs> what? Oh, crikey. My name's B&B. <laughs> the laughing idiot Woo! is Kira. You <laughs> I've been your oh, loyal my host, Bambi. Uh, no, he's been your loyal co-host. I have been your oh-so-loyal host, Tara, and I love you more. <laughs> whatever all right i will talk to you guys later and as always i hope you guys have a great tuesday if you listen to this one that comes out on tuesday and i love your faces thank you so much Bye-bye. bye bye <laughs> bye